Hello, welcome to episode 10, The Road Back to Kandahar. This week we'll be summarizing the 8th chapter of the Canadian Army in Afghanistan, Volume 1, A Nation Under Fire, 2001-2006 to by Sean Maloney, PhD. Welcome, history enthusiasts, to another riveting episode of our historical journey. Today we're delving into the intricate geopolitical dance that unfolded on the Afghan chessboard in the mid-2000s. Picture this as a tactical tango with nations twirling commitments and strategies in a delicate ballet of power. In this episode, we'll waltz through the pages of The Road Back to Kandahar. It's a tale where the heads of state play the lead, and decisions made during this period echo through the corridors of history. Get ready to witness the dramatic twists and turns as countries like Canada, the UK, and Netherlands, as well as the United States, pirouette through discussions on ISAF expansion, counter-narcotics priorities, and the challenging terrain of southern Afghanistan. So tighten your historical shoelaces and join us as we unravel the intriguing choreography of nations on the Afghan stage. This isn't your average history lesson, it's a symphony of strategies, a geopolitical ballet, so let's dance through the details. My name is James, and I'm the host of Canada and Afghanistan Podcast. In the pivotal year of 2005, Canada faced a critical crossroads in its military engagement, with significant implications for its involvement in Afghanistan. The episode illuminates the multifaceted decision-making process within the Canadian government, encapsulating a fierce debate on resource allocation and military priorities. A faction pushing for an Africa-first strategy clashed with those advocating a continued commitment to Afghanistan. Amidst the historical context of Canada's involvement in multiple overseas missions during the 1990s, military leaders emphasized the need for a focused and sustainable approach. The decision to deploy forces to Kandahar was influenced by the considerations of national interests, alignment with UN-mandated NATO operations, and the potential consequences of withdrawal on regional stability and global security. And the potential consequences of withdrawal on regional stability and global security. As the episode unfolds, it provides insight into the meticulous evaluation of options, ultimately solidifying Canada's commitment to Afghanistan in the face of escalating challenges. The decision-making process involved careful consideration of pros and cons, recognizing the strategic significance of the mission in southern Afghanistan. The episode sheds light on the complex geopolitical landscape, domestic political dynamics, and the underlying factors that shaped Canada's historical decision to deploy a battalion-sized task force to Kandahar in 2006. In the geopolitical landscape of 2005, Canada finds itself at a critical juncture, navigating the complex challenges that would significantly shape its military engagement and international commitments. Against the backdrop of global uncertainties, the episode explores the intricate decision-making process within the Canadian government, unraveling debates that arose amidst competing priorities and diplomatic considerations. As Canada grappled with historical precedents of overstretching military resources in the 1990s, leaders faced the formidable task of charting a strategic course for the nation's involvement in overseas missions. Amidst these deliberations, the focus on Afghanistan emerged as the central theme, marked by the clash between a faction advocating an Africa-first strategy and those emphasizing the imperative of continuing commitments in Afghanistan. The geopolitical challenges extended beyond military considerations, 
delving into diplomatic intricacies, regional stability concerns, and the broader global fight against Al-Qaeda and affiliated groups. The episode sheds light on the nuanced evaluations of potential deployments to various conflict zones, with a keen awareness of the need for sustainable, focused strategies that align with Canadian interests and values. As Canada stood on the brink of historical decision in 2005, the geopolitical landscape presented a complex puzzle demanding careful navigation through intricate threads of national security, international obligations, and the evolving dynamics of global conflict. In the mid-2000s, Afghanistan was grappling with the aftermath of the U.S.-led invasion in 2001 that ousted the Taliban regime. The country was in the midst of a complex post-conflict reconstruction phase, attempting to rebuild its institutions and establish a stable government. However, the situation remained highly volatile, characterized by persistent Taliban insurgency and the presence of other militant groups. The international community, including NATO forces, was actively involved in supporting Afghanistan's stabilization and development efforts. The United States, in particular, was leading Operation Enduring Freedom, aimed at combating terrorism and preventing the resurgence of groups like Al-Qaeda. Concurrently, the International Security Assistance Force, a NATO-led mission, was working to enhance security, train Afghan security forces, and assist in reconstruction. Regional dynamics played a significant role with the neighboring countries influencing Afghanistan's stability. The illicit opium trade, a major source of funding for insurgents, further complicated the security landscape. The mid-2000s saw a strategic shift as NATO took a more prominent role in Afghanistan, particularly in the southern provinces like Kandahar, where Canadian forces became extensively involved. The period was marked by intricate geopolitical maneuvering, evolving strategies, and the delicate balance between reconstruction efforts and counterinsurgency operations. As nations like Canada deliberated on their commitments, the mid-2000s were a critical juncture in shaping the trajectory of Afghanistan's post-conflict future. The International Security Assistance Force underwent significant expansion in Afghanistan, marking a pivotal phase in the country's stabilization efforts. NATO played a crucial role in this expansion, with member states contributing troops and resources to support the mission. The expansion, particularly in the Stage 2 area of Western Afghanistan, signified a broadening commitment to enhancing security and promoting reconstruction beyond the initial post-9-11 efforts. NATO heads of state, recognizing the importance of a sustained engagement, pledged to continue ISAF's expansion. The alliance assumed leadership roles in different regions, and discussions unfolded about the specifics of contributions from individual nations. Notably, in the context of Canada's involvement, deliberations focused on commitments to regional command south, including provinces like Kandahar. The decision-making process involved negotiations among key NATO members, such as Canada and the United Kingdom, the Netherlands and the United States, reflecting the collaborative nature of the international community's approach to Afghanistan during this critical period. As NATO took on a more significant role, the geopolitical landscape in Afghanistan was shaped by the evolving dynamics of the alliance's engagement and the challenges posed by insurgency and reconstruction. Kandahar holds immense strategic importance in the narrative of Afghanistan during the mid-2000s. The province, located in the southern part of the country, emerged as a focal point for international efforts to stabilize and rebuild Afghanistan. The significance of Kandahar is multifaceted, encompassing military, political, and economic dimensions. From a military perspective, Kandahar was a stronghold for insurgent activities, particularly the Taliban. Controlling this region was crucial for countering the insurgency and establishing security across the broader Afghan landscape. The province's strategic location made it a key battleground in the fight against terrorism and insurgency with various international forces, including NATO and Canadian troops, focusing their efforts on stabilizing Kandahar. Politically, 
Kandahar's importance lay in its symbolic value and historical significance. As one of Afghan's major cities, it held cultural and political significance. The decisions surrounding Kandahar reflected broader political and strategic choices made by NATO member states, shaping the trajectory of the international mission in Afghanistan. Economically, Kandahar's stability was vital for the overall reconstruction efforts in the country. The province's success or failure could significantly impact the perception of the international mission's effectiveness and influence the broader geopolitical narrative surrounding Afghanistan. In essence, Kandahar became the linchpin of the narrative of Afghanistan during this period, representing the challenges and opportunities faced by the international community in their quest to stabilize and rebuild the war-torn nation. The decisions and events in Kandahar during the mid-2000s had far-reaching implications for the overall success of the mission and the geopolitical landscape of the region. NATO heads of state engaged in critical discussions and commitments regarding the expansion and stabilization efforts in Afghanistan. One significant outcome was the decision to continue the expansion of the International Security Assistance Force into the Stage 2 area of Western Afghanistan, with Italy taking the lead. This expansion was part of NATO's broader mission to enhance stability and counterinsurgent threats on the region. A key focus of these discussions was the commitment to regional command cell, particularly in and around Kandahar province. Military representatives from Canada, the United Kingdom and the Netherlands, as well as the United States, met to finalize the specifics of Stage 3 expansion in early March 2005. The British initially expressed interest in leading regional command south and Kandahar province, but domestic political factors, including concerns about narcotics, led them to shift their focus towards Helmand province. The strategic change paved the way for Canada to take the lead in regional command south, with a multinational brigade setting the stage for a significant Canadian commitment. Kandahar. NATO heads of state acknowledge the importance of a successful transfer to NATO of the ongoing operations relevant parts, aligning with broader plans for the transformation of U.S. forces in Afghanistan and the region. The commitment to establish a regional brigade-level surge strike capability reflected the alliance's recognition of the military challenges in the Stage 3 area, emphasizing the need for a robust presence to support provincial reconstruction teams and counterinsurgencies. This period marked a crucial phase in NATO's involvement in Afghanistan, shaping the subsequent military and geopolitical developments in the region. The Canadian commitments and decisions made during the NATO discussions played a pivotal role in shaping the security landscape in Kandahar and Helmand provinces in Afghanistan. In particular, Canada's decision to take the lead in regional command south with a multinational brigade, had a profound impact on the subsequent military operations and stability of the region. Had Canada not opted for the force structure that emerged from these deliberations, Kandahar and Helmand province may have faced the risk of collapsing in the face of insurgent actions in the summer of 2006. The Canadian commitment outlined the decision to establish a multinational brigade and demonstrated NATO's collective effort to address the security challenges and insurgency in the strategically important provinces of Kandahar and Helmand. The impact of this commitment extended beyond military operations, influencing subsequent narratives on counter-narcotics efforts, development initiatives, and the overall stability of the region. In essence, the decisions made during this period laid the foundation for Canada's substantial involvement in Afghanistan and had far-reaching consequences for the security dynamics within Kandahar and Helmand province. During the meetings in March 2005, the Dutch proposed a rotating headquarters for regional command south between Canada the United Kingdom, and the Netherlands, drawing on the successful model implemented in Bosnia under S-4. The proposal gained traction, reflecting a collaborative approach to command responsibilities. 
The decisions made during this period solidified the plans for Canada to take a leading role in Kandahar, and the broader commitment by the participating nations aimed at ensuring successful transition to NATO command in the region. The British position was focused on counter-narcotics efforts and concerns about opium production. The British military planners, including Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Tootle, expressed a significant focus on eradicating opium poppy cultivation, as Helmand Province was perceived as a core hub for this illicit activity. The British leadership's inclination towards conducting counter-narcotics and development operations, rather than fully engaging in the broader American-led global war on terror, led them to reconsider their plans for Kandahar. This shift in focus became more pronounced during the planning process in the spring of 2005. As a result, the British decision-makers gradually moved away from regional command and leaned towards a Hellman-centric approach. This change in priorities had a cascading effect on the overall NATO strategy in the region and played a crucial role in shaping the commitments and roles of the different contributing nations. The motivation behind this emphasis was the belief that reducing opium production was essential for combating the global heroin trade, which had direct implications for the drug-related issues in Western cities, particularly in Britain. The British forces aimed to disrupt the opium supply chain by targeting cultivation at its source in Afghanistan. Both Canadian and British military leaders expressed concerns about the impact of the eradication program on the local population and the overall effectiveness of the counter-narcotic strategy. Military commanders voiced apprehensions about the potential consequences of focusing on eradicating opium poppy cultivation. One shared concern was targeting farmers, who are often the poorest and most vulnerable blink in the chain, which might have unintended negative effects. The counter-narcotics program, by concentrating on eradication at the lowest level, was seen as potentially strengthening drug lords higher up in the hierarchy as they could store a greater percentage of the drugs. Similarly, Canadian perspectives as articulated by Lieutenant Colonel Robert Jensen of Op Axius echoed these concerns. The analysis provided by Jensen emphasized that the focus on farmers without addressing higher levels of the drug trade chain could result in unintended consequences. Specifically, the eradication program was seen as potentially increasing the profits of middlemen and drug lords, while simultaneously taking away the income of the farmers. Jensen highlighted that the challenge of addressing the higher echelons of the drug trade, as many senior drug leaders had direct ties to senior bureaucrats, military officials, and politicians. These concerns were of a broader debate within the NATO forces involved in Afghanistan about the most effective strategies for counting the narcotics trade while minimizing negative impacts on the local population and maintaining overall admission objectives. The discussions and debates over the counter-narcotics approach reflected the complex and multifaceted nature of the mission in Afghanistan during that period. The commitment to a provincial reconstruction team in Kandahar by Canada acted as a catalyst for Stage 3 expansion, and the evolving force structure aimed to address the challenges and threats anticipated in the region. The multinational brigade with its surge-strike capability was considered necessary to support the PRT battalion combinations envisioned by the Dutch and British. The evolution of this idea reflected the collaborative efforts and strategic considerations of the participating nations in shaping the mission structure and capabilities in Afghanistan. The decision to establish a PRT in Kandahar by Canada had broader implications, shaping the course of operations and influencing the collaborative efforts among the participating nations. In the early discussions among military representatives from Canada, the United Kingdom, the Netherlands, and the United States in March 2005, the Canadian commitment to a PRT was pivotal in the evolving force structure for regional command south. The PRT commitment by Canada differed from its traditional Operation Enduring Freedom PRTs, aligning more closely with the International Security Assistance Force model. 
As plans were being hammered out and details were lacking, the flow of events intertwined both ISAF and OEF organizations. The commitment acted as a catalyst, providing the impetus for Stage 3 expansion. The evolving structure, which included a Canadian-based multinational brigade leading Regional Command South, was in response to challenges and threats anticipated in the western provinces of Afghanistan. Notably, without the commitment to a PRT and associated force structure, there were concerns that Kandahar and Helmand provinces could collapse in the face of insurgent action in the summer of 2006. The Canadian PRT commitment, along with the multinational brigade, became the linchpin in the collaborative efforts to ensure the success of the mission and the transition from OEF to NATO command. This commitment underscores Canada's strategic role in stabilization, reconstruction, and security efforts in Afghanistan during this critical period. The American perspective during the discussions and planning in 2005 was marked by a clear set of conditions and priorities for cooperation in Afghanistan. Notably, the United States emphasized that the arrangement should not interfere with the American activities involving the tracking and neutralization of high-value terrorist targets. The U.S. representatives made it explicit that the operation in Afghanistan was distinct from U.N. or NATO Balkans operations, reinforcing that it was not a U.N. mission. A crucial aspect highlighted by the American representatives was the need for proactive rules of engagement that allowed their forces to take the fight to the enemy. This underlined a more aggressive stance in dealing with security threats and commitments to engaging directly with adversaries. Furthermore, the American position made it clear that they did not want to assume the role of a regional firefighter, intervening to bail out national contingents from circumstances of their own making. This perspective set the tone for collaboration, emphasized the need for a robust, proactive approach to counterterrorism and security challenges in Afghanistan. The shortage of aviation resources in Regional Command South became a significant concern during the planning discussions in 2005. The geographical expanse of the region, coupled with the need for rapid response to crisis situations, underscored the crucial role of helicopters and close air support. At the center of this issue was the potential relinquishment of control of Kandahar Airfield by the Americans, who were considering withdrawing their aviation assets to Bagram as part of the planned ISAF expansion. The British and Dutch were preparing to bring helicopters and close air support aircraft for their forces, but the question arose about Canada's contribution to this aspect. The lack of sufficient aviation resources, especially helicopters, prompted a staff check to explore possibilities. Efforts were made to assess the deployment of different aviation types, including CF-18s and CH-146 Griffin helicopters. However, various factors including the reluctance of the Air Force to relinquish aviation assets for Afghanistan led to challenges in addressing the aviation resource gap. The shortage of aviation resources remained a critical issue impacting the ability to provide necessary support for operations in Regional Command South. In response to the shortage of aviation resources, particularly lack of medium-lift helicopters, Canada explored various options to address the issue. One avenue explored was the possibility of deploying six CF-18s, building on planning from 2001. CF-18s are a multi-role fighter jet capable of providing close air support and engaging in air interdiction operations. However, the ultimate decision in employing CF-18s did not materialize and the challenges persisted. The aviation resource gap highlighted the broader issue of limited capabilities in certain military assets and the need for strategic planning and investments in the Canadian forces. The complexity of addressing these challenges was further compounded by historical decisions, such as the selling of the Canadian CH-47 Chinook Force in the 1990s, leaving Canada with a gap in medium-lift helicopter capability. The loss of the Canadian medium-lift helicopter capability dates back to the 1990s, it was a result of political decisions made during that period. In the 1990s, there were several restructuring and cost-cutting measures in the Canadian military, 
One of the outcomes was the decision to sell the Canadian CH-47 Chinook helicopters. These helicopters, capable of medium-lift operations, were sold to the Netherlands. The sale of the CH-47 Chinook helicopters left Canada without a dedicated fleet of medium-lift helicopters, a capability that became crucial in years later, particularly during operations in Afghanistan. The decision to sell these helicopters was part of broader defense policy changes during the 1990s, where the Canadian military underwent restructuring, downsizing, and changes in asset allocation. The consequences of these decisions were felt later in military engagements, when the need for medium-lift helicopters became apparent, leading to the efforts to address the capability gap through initiatives like the Medium-Lift Helicopter Acquisition Program initiated in 2005. From May to August 2005, the planning process for Canada's commitment to Afghanistan underwent significant developments. Two potential options were under consideration, maintaining a presence in Herat or transitioning to Kandahar. General Hillier outlined his intent in May 2005, envisioned Canada as running a provincial reconstruction team for at least 18 months, with a brigade headquarters commanding Regional Command South and a battle group task force arriving in February 2006. This initial plan anticipated a commitment around two years, focusing on framework and reconstruction and tasks in a low-level counterinsurgency environment. The task force for South, named Task Force Afghanistan, or TF Afghanistan, was designed to be robust, featuring elements like an artillery battery, a UAV troop, an electronic warfare detachment, a reconnaissance troop with coyotes, engineering capabilities with counter-IED capacity, human intelligence and CIMIC teams, and two LAV-3-based infantry companies. The discussions among the four nations involved in Regional Command South in Stage 3 expansion progressed, with a key decision being the establishment of a Role 3 multinational medical unit at Kandahar Airfield, commanded by Canada. The planning also addressed issues such as the security mission at CAF and the command structure for the American Embedded Training Teams, or ETTs, working with Afghan National Army Forces after their transition to ISAF. These deliberations set the stage for the ultimate decision to deploy Canadian forces to Kandahar in the summer of 2005. External pressures, particularly from the Africa First lobby, added complexity to the situation. This lobby advocated for the redirection of Canadian military resources towards peacekeeping missions in Africa, specifically in regions such as Darfur or southern Sudan. The Africa First faction found support within various government departments, such as DFAT, or the Department of Foreign Affairs and International Trade, CEDA, Canadian International Development Agency, and elements within D&D, Department of National Defense. The lobby argued that Canada should prioritize its military engagements in UN peacekeeping capacities in Africa, as opposed to participating in what they perceived as warfighting roles in Afghanistan, particularly under the American command. The proponents of this perspective leveraged emotional narratives, such as invoking Lieutenant General Romeo Dallaire's role in the Rwandan genocide, to build support for an intervention in Africa. The Africa First Lobby gained traction in academia, parts of the media, and even garnered celebrity endorsements. As the Martin government navigated these external pressures, it faced the challenge of balancing competing interests and choosing between diverse international commitments. The decision-making process involved evaluating the merits and drawbacks of various mission options, including Afghanistan, Darfur, southern Sudan, the Middle East, and Haiti. The external pressures from the Africa First lobby highlighted the intricate geopolitical landscape and influenced Canada's strategic decisions during this period. In Darfur, pros for this mission were minimal advantages identified for deployment to defer. 
The only positive aspect mentioned was the sense of Africa unity and independence. Plans for this mission, numerous challenges were associated in a mission in Darfur, including the presence of many rebel groups, limited international support, remote and distant access, a seasonal road network, and underdeveloped infrastructure. Within southern Sudan, pros for this mission were the potential for participating in a multinational standby high readiness brigade for UN operations was identified. Cons, challenges included the absence of a mandate and implementation, limited internal visibility for Canada, multifactional fighting, divergent interests, and the vast geography of the region. For the Middle East, the specifics of the Middle East option were not elaborated, but it could involve contributing to peacekeeping or stabilization efforts in the region, possibly related to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Haiti. Details of the Haiti option were not explicitly outlined, but it likely involved peacekeeping or stabilization efforts in the troubled Caribbean nation. Kandahar. Pros. The mission in Kandahar was presented as a UN-mandated NATO operation, part of the broader campaign against al-Qaeda and affiliated groups. Canada was already involved in rebuilding a failed state, and a mission allowed for a focused 3D approach, integrating defense, development, and diplomacy. Cons for this mission? The potential collapse of a fragile situation in Afghanistan was highlighted if Canada did not continue its involvement. The unstated consequence was Canada contributed to a situation similar to Rwanda, if the Taliban regained control, leading to further terrorist threats. Ultimately, the examination revealed that Afghanistan met the criteria and conditions set by Canada's strategic goals, aligning with its commitment to the UN-mandated NATO operation and larger campaign against terrorism. The decision to deploy to Kandahar among the presented options was deemed strategically relevant and aligned with Canada's interests and values. Canada's decision to align itself with Afghanistan was driven by a confluence of strategic considerations and shared values. The mission in Afghanistan, characterized as a UN-mandated NATO operation, provided Canada with a legitimate and internationally sanctioned framework for military involvement. In the context of the global war on terror, Afghanistan emerged as a focal point for addressing the al-Qaeda threat and affiliated groups that pose a direct challenge to Canadian interests. Moreover, Afghanistan was undergoing reconstruction effort after its years of conflict, presented Canada with an opportunity to contribute to the stabilization of a failed state. The mission was perceived not only as a strategic imperative, but also as a demonstration of Canada's commitment to global stability and the promotion of democratic values. Fears of a potential collapse of the fragile situation in Afghanistan added to the urgency of the decision, with the implicit understanding that a resurgence of the Taliban could lead to dire consequences kin the situation in Rwanda. Canada saw itself playing a meaningful role in preventing such a scenario, recognizing Afghanistan's strategic importance in the broader context of the global fight against terrorism. In essence, the alignment with Afghanistan was framed as a responsible and principled contribution to the international peace and security. The Prime Minister's acceptance of the new mission in southern Afghanistan marked a pivotal moment in Canadian foreign policy. Amid competing suggestions to prioritize other global crises, the Prime Minister made a strategic decision to commit Canadian forces to Afghanistan. This decision was not unilateral, but followed a thorough examination of various options, guided by a recognition of Canada's capabilities, commitments, and overarching interests. The legal framework established since 2001 and the strategic rationale crafted during 2001-2003 to continued to serve as the basis for Canadian operations in Afghanistan. The mission encompassed a multifaceted approach including air and ground combat operations against al-Qaeda, Taliban, and anti-coalition armed groups, as well as training Afghan security forces, establishing a provincial reconstruction team, 
and conducting air interdiction operations. The Prime Minister's acceptance of this mission, communicated through a deployment order issued by the Chief of Defence Staff, outlined a specific timeline and responsibility. Canada would deploy a battalion-sized task force to Regional Command South in February 2006, concurrently leading a provincial reconstruction team and assuming command of Regional Command South under the Operation Enduring Freedom Mandate. This commitment underscored Canada's resolve to play the lead role in transitioning Regional Command South from Operation Enduring Freedom to NATO Command and expanding the mission in Stage 3. The decision reflected a balance between Canada's military capabilities, strategic interests, and commitment to international security efforts, particularly in the context of the evolving situation in Afghanistan. The deployment order outlined the following elements. Canada committed to deploying a battalion-sized task force in February 2006. This task force was slated to conduct a relief in place for the U.S. unit Regional Command South, while simultaneously manning a provincial reconstruction team. Additionally, a brigade headquarters would be deployed to assume command of Regional Command South under an OEF mandate, leading a multinational brigade. The Canadian contingent's primary mission was to lead the transition of Regional Command South from OEF command to NATO command. This marked a strategic shift from the U.S.-led Operation Enduring Freedom operations to the broader NATO framework, reflecting the evolving international approach to stabilizing and reconstructing Afghanistan. The deployment aimed to play a lead role in Stage 3 expansion, emphasizing the integration and coordination of OEF and ISAF missions. This reflected NATO's commitment to a comprehensive and unified effort in addressing the security and development challenges in Afghanistan. The deployment order outlined the anticipated duration of the Canadian commitment, with the task force expected to deploy for 12 months, while the brigade headquarters were operate for nine months. This time frame indicated a planned rotation of forces, highlighting the commitment's initial projection of around two years. The deployment order issued by the CDS underscored Canada's commitment to supporting Afghanistan's stabilization and reconstruction within the evolving international framework. It marked a pivotal moment in the country's military engagement, emphasizing a transition from combat operations under OEF to a broader, long-term commitment within the NATO-led mission in Afghanistan. In the labyrinth corridors of geopolitical decisions and military strategies, Canada's journey in 2005 marked a transformative chapter. The nation, standing at the crossroads of global conflicts and humanitarian imperatives, navigated a delicate balance in its commitment to Afghanistan. From the intricate negotiations within NATO, where the fate of Kandahar hung in the balance, to the domestic pressures of competing priorities. Canada demonstrated strategic acumen. The decision to lead Regional Command South and bridge the transition from Operation Enduring Freedom to NATO's embrace reflected not just military prowess, but a nuanced understanding of the international obligations. As Canada poised itself for the challenges that awaited in Afghanistan's tumultuous terrain, the decision-making process of 2005 became a cornerstone of the nation's modern history. It was a time when choices echoed beyond immediate tactical concerns, resonating with the principles of diplomacy, defense, and development. The commitment to Kandahar, emerging from a complex web of considerations, was not merely a military deployment. It was a testament to Canada's resilience and adaptability in the face of the evolving global scenarios. The narrative of 2005 unfolds as a saga where Canada, with strategic finesse, stepped onto the Afghan stage, leaving an indelible mark on the intricate tapestry of international interventions. Next episode, we'll get into the significant impact of the assassination of Ambassador Glenberry in January 2006, Canadian Provincial Reconstruction Team Operations in Kandahar, Afghanistan. The suicide bombing not only claimed Barry's life, but also led to the suspension of other government department operations at the PRT. 
and the reluctance among civilian personnel to return without enhanced force protection. The incident exposed internal changes in the Canadian approach, including cultural insensitivity, unrealistic project priorities, and a lack of understanding the Afghan dynamics. Complexities of Canada's power dynamics, tribal rivalries, and the blurred lines between licit and illicit activities complicated reconstruction efforts. As the PRT transitioned to Task Force Orion, the aftermath of the assassination cast a shadow over the deployment initiatives, leading to a prolonged hiatus in critical projects and programs, symbolizing the multifaceted challenges faced by Canada in Afghanistan. Until next time, stay curious, stay informed, and may the echoes of our shared history guide us forward. Thank you.